Alternative Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. The Dutch Reformed Church, whose congregants, whose congregants are predominantly white African speakers, say it's part of the problem of apartheid and wants to be part of rebuilding South Africa. Together with the Kulumani Support Group, the church leaders have held several meetings and embarked on projects with victims of the apartheid-era regime as the first steps to make concrete contributions to the country. The Kulumani Support Group is a non-profit organization comprised of roughly 85,000 victims and survivors of apartheid-related human rights violations in South Africa. The mission of the Kulumani Support Group is to build an inclusive and just society in which the dignity of people affected by apartheid is restored through the process of transforming victims into victors. And to tell us more about that is Dr. Marjorie Jobson, who is a director at the Kulumani Support Group. Good evening, Dr. Jobson. Good evening, Sangezo. Thank you for the chance to be with you. Indeed, pleasure to have you here. This is a TRC of kind, isn't it? The Kulumani Archive, or, the, or this process, is that, is that the question? I'm um, asking if the kind of project that you are embarking on in partnership with the NGEKER as Kulumani yes. Support Group, at its yes. heart, it is the work of what the TRC sought to do bringing victims and perpetrators together in the same room and effectively victors become, I mean, victims becoming victors. Very much, um, Fungezo. It's been, it's been quite a long and slow process in developing. Um, it came out of the reaching out of the leadership of the Dutch Reformed Church to Kulamani, um, which had decided... You know, they were trying to look for potential partners that could accompany them on the journey to finding a space in which they could unlearn um, all the benefits and, and of, of their apartheid, unearned, you know, ex- well, the benefits that they achieved, and, and, and wanting to know if there was a willingness on the part of the people who'd been most damaged to... to sit with them and start to lead a process together of exploring that past that many you know, of the new generations since that time um, do not understand the real impact. So that's been a big part of the journey and it's led to very interesting things like um, the two restitution conferences that we've held, the restitution charter, which is a very explicit statement of the need for white beneficiaries of apartheid to take responsibility and to use the outputs of the benefits they received to, to start to bring more balance and deal with the inequities and inequalities in society. So there are many, many actions that have been planned and that we've been slowly implementing. Um, and what's especially exciting is that there's a big movement that has grown amongst the young ministers of the Dutch Reformed Church, um, one of the things that has become a reality is that the size of inter congregations has been decreasing quite rapidly, and there's this new spirit of young people wanting to walk journeys of restitution to heal the damage and to take responsibility for it, and then to find ways to work together to on things like restitution um, funds, um, collaborative action, memorial days, learning and understanding a history that 
white people were mostly not exposed to, those kinds of things. It's been a very, very interesting process. Um, My voice when I try and interrupt you because I do want to understand when you talk about the interest and the spirit of the young people, that's very well and good. The elders in the church, the ones who are probably at the coalface of this perpetuation, if you will, of apartheid and in the defense of apartheid institutions, the older folk within the church, particularly in leadership of the church, what has their attitude been to this? So, in fact, we started with um, engaging. The, um, the the Dutch Reformed uh, minister who leads each of the synods, the country is divided into, I think, nine synods, and the first meeting we had was with the leader of every synod, um, except for Namibia, which is part of the whole synodal organization, um, meeting with the leaders of Kulumani groups across Gauteng, and it was... A, a very remarkable space of people being willing to take down all their guards. Yeah, yeah, we seem to have lost, unfortunately, the connection with Dr. Oh, Marjorie sorry, Jobson, who's the director at the Kulumani Support Group. We're just basically having a conversation with regards to the work the Dutch Reformed Church, together with their congregants in conjunction with the Kulumani Support Group, this is an organization and an alliance that have apartheid victims and apartheid perpetrators coming together with the notion of changing victims to become victors. And for the last five minutes or so, Dr. Marjorie Jobson was just giving us a bird's eye view as to how this came about. Marjorie, let's talk about the restitution charter that you referred to earlier on. Tell us about its contents. Okay. I mean, I think this is the real working document that's going to chart um, the materiality of the commitments that people have been making. Um, so it really begins with understanding that it has, it's a journey that we want many people to take part in. I think where I got cut off was when we were explaining that the leadership of every synod is where we have started. And the big issue with the Dutch Reformed Church is that every congregation, and there are about 1,200 in the country, is actually an autonomous body. And so um, it's a long, slow process of filtering the kind of thinking of, of this journey of restitution across all the, um, all the churches in the country. Um, so the restitution charter speaks about, um, you know, the kinds of stands for justice that have to be made, that no one should continue to benefit from the injustices of the past. There are proposals for restitution audits, like examining you know, the wealth that white families in particular have accumulated, how was it acquired, and how can restitution be made from that often um, unfair accumulation of wealth at the expense of other people's labor. Um, in the whole process of, you know, it's very much about starts with relationship building, um, one of the things the Dutch Reformed Church feels is that when 1994 came as leaders in the church, they took no responsibility for actually debriefing people to equip them for understanding like, what is involved in unlearning apartheid practices and unlearning white privilege, all of these things. Um, and so um, slowly, and people like Lucania 
Kalata has been incredibly helpful and Wilhelm Hulwood in 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 sitting with people in dialogues and in sharing and challenging um, people about the kinds of things that need to happen if we're going to make restitution real. Um, there are proposals for a restitution barometer, for reconciliation bonds, which is an investment tool that um, Professor Danny Bradler has has created, where um, people who've been severely um, disadvantaged by you know, their exclusion from the economy can acquire a reconciliation bond for their, their small business enterprises that can then be paid back over a, an extended period, you know, longer than the banks might require because that's the biggest issue for people is access to the resources to do the things they need to do. Um, there's a whole proposal on a whole new economic consensus so I, mean, I think it's a it's a it's a very comprehensive document that we think has many many applications. Um, we've had requests from all sorts of institutes, the uh, Institute of Architects, um, class are involved. A lot of a, a lot of institutions are wanting to start scoring their progress against this very useful charter that has been developed, and that really is a, a guiding tool for people taking these, um, the seriousness of this and like understanding what is what people would call decolonization. What is that? How do we become human beings completely sharing the present and the future going forward? And I'm sorry, I'm just not in a position to listen for all of seven minutes without dialogue because there are some critical questions that we have to contemplate in this conversation. And for whatever reason, there seems to be a discord between my line and her line. So I beg your pardon, but I'm going to have to move on there. But we're having a conversation about how the Kerk was able to offer, if you will, the religious base and the theological base for apartheid. And I'm just going to quote you a couple of passages from a document that I have, which is an interview that Lester Kivett wrote or interviewed, particularly Nellis van Rensburg, who's the national moderator of the church, speaking about how if you can give it apartheid religious sanction, it becomes even stronger. And that's what we did. We, of course, referring to the apartheid state and the Kerk and the combination of those two enterprises and institutions. Interestingly enough, Marjorie referred to the work of Talata, the son of Fort Talata, who, of course, we know Fort Talata was one of the credit four who were murdered en route to Port Elizabeth in 1985, together with Matthew Goniwe, Sparrow Mkondo, as well as Sitelo Mklauli. Credit four were killed. And one can't help but think back as well to what happened at St. James's Church Massacre in Cape Town, Kenworth, specifically on the 25th of July, 1993, when APLA members, or BORCO, Azanian People's Liberation Army, caused untold hurt to many families. And I'm just going to quickly read out the names of those who are deceased, which is probably a good time to end this first hour in terms of the real hurt that was occasioned in churches by churches in the apartheid state. Both sides, largely one way, but both sides. Guy Cooper Javens, Richard Oliver O'Kill, Gerard Harker, Alfonso Harker, Denise Gordon, Myrtle Smith, Oleg Karamein, Marita Ackerman, Audrey Katao. Valentin Varaska and Pavel Value. Those are the victims of the St. James Church Massacre on the 25th of July, 1993. And I must beg your pardon for my mispronunciation of names, surnames I'm not used to, and I tried my level best to pronounce them properly. And of course, we know the members who perpetrated all of that are members of Borkon being Stumi Sononoba, Basi, 
Nkumbuzi, Zinikaya Makoma, as well as Tobela Mbambisa, all of whom would later receive full amnesty from the TRC. It's 21 hours. That's the first hour gone. Another 45 to go with Health Talk on Monday. Stay tuned, please, for more in conversation with Dr. Gavin McGregor, who's the director of Umtombo Youth Development Foundation in the KZN.